Okay, well, we're going to start. We started something last week. I was saying, what's your story? Hey, tell me your story. What's your story? What is it about you? And and what's the story you're telling yourself? And we learned that uh, last week we talked about how there's different stories out there and that we can feel the blahs and we can get down because we are listening to the wrong voices or we're subscribing to the wrong stories. And a lot of the stories that are being put out are stories from what's coming through our circumstances. Our circumstances are telling us a story. The world is telling us a story. The devil is always trying to tell us a story. And uh, we have to remember, like we we learned in uh, 1 Corinthians 2, that the This age is not lasting. The rulers of this age is not lasting. And the wisdom that we subscribe to, the story we subscribe to, was ordained before the ages from God for our glory. It's hard to imagine sometimes when things are going wrong in your life that things are from the foundation of the world ordained for our glory. It doesn't mean that God has made all these terrible things happen, but it just means that God has a story in which everything's coming together to a glorious end, if we can believe that. And that affects us. We can get through some of these difficult times and challenges and the blahs, realizing that ultimately in God's story, we're blessed. And that strengthens us. We, the story is that God is with us. The devil is defeated. This world is temporary. Our inheritance is glorious and eternal. These are good news stories. We have a happy ending. And when we stop and reorient and think about, hey, what's really happening here? What's the truth here? The truth is, is that we're going to make it. We're going to get through. And that God has purposes and plans. And that's what we want to hone in on. So it behooves us to know the story and the whole story. Because you can get caught up and know parts of the story And that's good, but if you don't get the whole story, that's where there can be problems. And we'll look at Isaiah 53.1. It's important to know and understand the narrative of Scripture. And not just to know Scripture, not just to know the story, but to know where you fit in and how your life is impacted by God's story. History is in the making. His story is is in the making, and he's making it in your life if you'll let him. So Isaiah 53, 1 starts off with, Who has believed our report? And to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? Who has believed our report? There is a report that is coming to you on a daily basis. There is a report that's coming to you from the world. There is a report that comes through the scriptures, and yet... When the Pharisees, who were very well versed in this scripture, they knew what Isaiah 53 went on to say. Isaiah 53 went on to speak of the suffering servant. And it painted the Messiah, the Messiah, in a picture of where he would carry our griefs and sorrows and he would take all our iniquities upon him because we as sheep have all turned astray, but the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. And he was going to be wounded, bruised for our transgressions. There's a suffering servant painted in Isaiah 53, one of the most awesome chapters in the Bible. And the Pharisees were familiar with this passage. But who has believed our report and to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? They understood this, but they crucified still the Lord of glory because they hadn't taken the whole picture. 
They knew parts of the scripture. They had their own story. This didn't fit their narrative. The suffering servant didn't fit their narrative of other passages that they had put together to show that uh, the Messiah would come and deliver them from their political enemies. But this passage didn't fit, and it affected, it affected them. They responded in a way that had they had known, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. And so we have to understand that we are in the midst of a story that is not just within the immediate, not just within a moment, but our story is a whole. We have to understand the big picture. And they didn't take the whole, and they made the mistake of crucifying the Lord of glory. But had they known the big picture, there might have been a different response. And when we know the big picture, that's going to influence how we respond to things. So who has believed our report? We understand by this verse that there are other reports out there. And we have to bring in uh, the bigger picture to really get some strength and some calm when things are unsettling. You know, when I talk about a big picture, I'm, I'm going to use the word narrative. There are narratives out there. We have a narrative of Scripture that we want to live by. But there are narratives out there that are presenting a story that is overarching everything that you see and understand going on. Now, what do I mean by that? I mean, like, if you go to a, a museum and you're reading the, the things about the artifacts you're looking at or, or some of the, uh, the or let's say you're watching the Discovery Channel. Or is it, that even a channel anymore? Did that get lost in the I'm, that's I'm dated. I don't watch a lot of TV. But I remember National Geographic Channel, Discovery Channel, they're presenting an overarching story. So you may be watching a nice documentary on animals or something, uh, you know, that's very uh, amazing about creation. But their overarching narrative is evolution. They give no place to God. They frame all their discussion from an umbrella narrative of evolution. And that can influence you. That can influence, it influences a lot of people. And if we're not careful, we can be taken in by the wrong narrative. Depending on which news source you watch, you're going to have a different perspective on who is good and who is evil, what is good and what is evil, depending on which source you're looking at. So it's very important that we, we get the truth because you can see things and uh, things can be presented in a way that you say, of course that's wrong because it's being presented under a framework. I remember uh, when I was in school, we were watching a documentary and they were showing, uh, no, it, it was something else I saw, but it was a documentary. They were showing these riots and they were showing the police trying to stop the riots and then they were showing the rioters that were causing the riots and then they showed how you could film it from two different angles and one angle could make it look like the riots were all because of the rioters and the other angle made it look like they were responding to police brutality so it was just the way that the media can manipulate things that you have to be very careful there is there is a world out there that we're seeing things and we're registering things but if we're not aware of the truth and we say What's the truth in this situation? It might trip us up. And sometimes it's hard. You can't know the truth. 
but you can usually if you do a little investigation. I remember a few years back I was watching uh, someone, they were giving a speech on TV. We remember it was during COVID and there were the riots again. There were riots and things going on in different cities. And this, this person was speaking this in a speech and the news anchor actually interrupted the speech and said, wait, 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 in the name of responsible broadcasting, we have to correct what we feel is very wrong. And they started saying, this is not happening in uh, Seattle. This is not happening in some of these places. These people, and, and to prove it, we're gonna bring on the mayor of Seattle. And so they had the mayor of Seattle, and they said, mayor of Seattle, is this wh what's really going on in your city? And they said, oh, no, no, no. This is just because they're trying to create a distraction from failed leadership and all that stuff. And our, come, and, come and visit our city, it's a great place. And I thought, wow, that is really different from what I've heard and seen. And I saw footage of stuff, but, but they're saying it's not true. And so I wonder, what is the truth here? Of course, you can see footage nowadays and it's all being manipulated. We gotta be careful, we're living in tricky times, right? But anyway, I had heard eyewitness testimonies. I had been to two different, one I've heard from friends who were in two different cities saying these cities are in trouble. These cities are really, they're getting boarded up and things like that. I thought, well, is that true? Well, my friends testified of it. I had a friend living in Seattle, so I sent a text message to her and I said, I just saw this speech and the news anchor interrupted this speech and uh, tell me the truth, what's going on? Is it like the mayor said, or is it like this politician said? And she wrote back and said, every day something else is happening. They just boarded up the police headquarters. They started lighting the police station on fire, all this stuff, and I said, okay. I had to look into the truth. I wanna know the truth, and I don't wanna be so quick to believe you know, what's being presented immediately before my eyes. But we are living in a time of 2 Thessalonians 2, 9 through 12. Do we have 2 Thessalonians 2, 9 through 12? The coming of the lawless one is according to the working of Satan with all power, signs, and lying wonders and with all unrighteous deception among those who perish because they did not receive the love of the truth that they might be saved. And for this reason, God will send them strong delusion that they should believe the lie that they all may be condemned who did not believe the truth but had pleasure in, in unrighteousness. See, this is the time we're living in where people aren't so, so concerned about the truth. But as Christians, we have to be concerned about the truth because it's the truth that sets us free. When the culture is having this delusion and living in the pleasure of unrighteousness, it brings harm, it brings confusion, it brings chaos and unsettlement. And we can fall into that because we are in the midst of it, we are affected by it, but when we walk in the truth and we know the truth, and the truth gives us power, it sets us free. We're, we're not contaminated by all that's going on. But Christians, as Believers in Jesus Christ, we have to be about the truth because Jesus is the truth and we want to grow in the truth. We want to be in the way of the truth. And unfortunately, there's a lot of problems in the church where they're not so concerned about the truth either. They don't have the whole story and, and sometimes it's even manipulated. I hate to share this, but it's a real interesting example. In China, we used to take uh, teams to these rural countryside villages where we were doing school building projects. 
and we would raise some money from churches and we'd go and match the money to some government funds or the government funds would match it to the church funds and we travel with people to these remote countryside churches or, or schools schools uh, and these schools were really old and dilapidated but we were building new schools and so we'd have these opening ceremonies when the new schools were built and wonderful times we'd go and at Christmas time, we sang Christmas hymns and things, joy to the world. And one of the leaders even said, I don't know what Christmas is about, but it has something to do with God. And the witness of God was going forth in these places. And we always went to these school sites and had these opening ceremonies and said, it's because God loves you. Jesus loves you. These people from America love God and, and God moved in their hearts to send this money to you. And God was so moved for you, he sent his son. We were able to preach the gospel. There was only a few things we couldn't do. We couldn't have an altar call and have, you know, raise your hands for prayer and things like that. But if we did things right, we got away with that with the leaders there. So uh, we brought this one guy, a big evangelist from California, great guy, wonderful to be around, great fellowship, and he came with us on a trip or two and and uh, he left, and, you know, we went to school. We shared the gospel. The joy of the Lord was present. It was awesome, wonderful trip. I don't know how, but I got his newsletter mailed to my inbox in China. I had never given him my address. And how in the world did they know how to address a Chinese address on a, on a Chinese uh, campus in a remote area of China? So it was like, how in the world did I get this? Uh, to this day, I don't know how I got that. It was the only letter I got, and I never got, and it was also a security concern. I thought, you know, I don't need to be getting Christian newsletters in the mail in communist China where they're looking at our mail and stuff, and they certainly don't need to be including anything I'm involved with. And this letter was that. And this letter talked about our trip to the countryside. And as I'm reading the letter, I'm still shocked that I got it in the mailbox. I'm shocked that I saw... Uh, something I was involved with, and then I was shocked by what else it read. The letter started raving, saying, what a time in the countryside. We saw revival. Children gave their lives to the Lord, and then they went to the uh, nearby villages and shared the gospel. They went to their parents and led their families to the Lord, and I looked at that and said, when did that happen? <laughs> I mean, I, I stepped out to go to the bathroom at one point, but uh, there it was. I missed that. And, uh, and we had a great time, but that was a great narrative, but it wasn't true. And we don't want to make that mistake. We need to be about the truth. And I'm not saying anything bad. I, maybe in his mind it just got embellished and he was affected by the I don't know. But you got to be careful out there, and we don't want to make the same mistake. A great narrative, but it's not true. A lot of people out there in the world have a great narrative about themselves. Even though they may not like themselves, they're not willing to admit that they're sinners and they need reconciliation to God. I'm not so bad. That's a good narrative, but it's not true. In God's holiness and glory and perfection, we're all bad. We don't want to admit that, but it's true. We want to have the truth, even, even though the other narrative sounds better. But now here's where a lot of Christians need some help. A lot of Christians... They have a narrative that's not quite as good as what God's narrative is for them. Who does God say you are? Who has believed the report? You know, God says many things about us.
but, and we fail to believe because it just doesn't seem as good as what God says. Who has believed our report and who has the arm of the Lord been revealed? The arm of the Lord is a phrase that means power. The power of the Lord has been revealed. And yet, that's not the way the Pharisees perceived the power. But the disciples who put their faith in Jesus, they, they looked past the appearances, they looked past the cultural expectations, and they looked past what even other church people, the Pharisees, were saying. And they believed the report and power came into their lives. They turned the world upside down. The Pharisees did not believe the report. They went by the immediate, here's what we're seeing and we don't accept it. It doesn't fit the narrative. But what God said when they pushed back through the appearances and the culture and everything like that, they received the power of the Lord. That's to whom the arm of the Lord has been revealed. And that arm of the Lord can be revealed to us when we believe what he says about us. Well, how can I ever live a godly life? I can because Christ in me can. How can I do anything? What report are you believing? There is power when you push back through the immediate natural sense of things. We get a good lesson from this in Judges chapter 6, verse 11 to 16. This is a great story about the calling of Gideon. And in Gideon, let's just read 11 to 16 and then go through this for a second. Now the angel of the Lord came and sat under the terebinth tree which was in Ophrah, which belonged to Joash the Abizrite, while his son Gideon threshed wheat in the winepress in order to hide it from the Midianites. And the angel of the Lord appeared to him and said to him, The Lord is with you, you mighty man of valor. Gideon said to him, O oh my Lord, if the Lord is with us, why then has all this happened to us? And where are all his miracles which our fathers told us about, saying, Did not the Lord bring us up from Egypt? But now the Lord has forsaken us and delivered us into the hands of the Midianites. Then the Lord turned to him and said, Go in this might of yours, and you shall save Israel from the hand of the Midianites. Have I not sent you? So he said to him, O oh my Lord, how can I save Israel? Indeed, my clan is the weakest in Manasseh, and I am the least in my father's house. And the Lord said to him, Surely I will be with you, and you shall defeat the Midianites as one man. This is a, a real interesting passage. What Gideon was doing was hiding, threshing wheat, uh, where the Midianites could not come and steal it. They were, Midianites were outnumbering Israelites. They were oppressing them. They were coming upon them with violence and stealing their crops and destroying their crops and things. It was a very harrowing, stressing time. And we see in the very first uh, chapter, uh, verse 11, it says that he was hiding. Gideon was hiding from the Midianites. But a very strange uh, thing is stated here. It says, the angel of the Lord came and sat under the terebinth tree. And a lot of times we'll just read, read past that real quickly and get to, well, the, the Lord appeared to Gideon. That's the next verse. But why is the angel of the Lord sitting under a terebinth tree? What is that all about? Well, I think what it's about is it's showing something about the Lord here. This is a very stressful, 
pressing, urgent situation, and yet God is not anxious. He knows something greater than the immediate and what's happening. God takes time to show that he can rest. He's not, he's not unraveling at all that's going on out there in our world right now. We might wish he'd be a little more anxious and get these things over with and come and do something, right? But he's not anxious. He's not anxious. And the other thing is, somebody I read uh, on commentary on this said that the angel appeared as, you know, not anxious or in a flash of dramatic display. It just came simply, probably in the form of a man. There was no need to come in a dramatic this is urgent, here's the power, here you go, take it, but just coming restful, rested, having sat under a tree, not in any dramatic flash of power, secure and calm. And, of course, we see this in Jesus. Jesus was the ultimate, the almighty, loaded with power and glory, and yet he didn't come to shake every, wait, don't you see, here's the answer, I'm the answer. He came secure, calm. And now, if we understood God's love for us and God's care for us, we might not get so anxious. We could be secure and calm and, and be able to you know, not fall apart, like I said last week. So, amen? Amen. So, let's, how do you get secure in everything? You have to believe the right report. You notice here that the angel of the Lord was giving a report and Gideon was countering that report. There are two stories being spoken here. What are the stories? The angel of the Lord appeared to him and said to, The Lord is with you, you mighty man of valor. That's a great story. The Lord is with you, you mighty man of valor. And then Gideon says, I got another story for you. How can that be? We've heard of the miracles. Where are the miracles? What happened to the God who, who delivered us out of Egypt? Man, I can feel that way sometimes, can't you? I read that book and I say, look at all these powerful things going in, in here. You know, why aren't I seeing the miracles in our day? And then I forget that I have seen miracles and that sometimes the miracles take time and that sometimes it's not an immediate thing. But even when we don't see miracles, what's the report? Even when things are not supernatural looking in our estimation, the report of the angel of the Lord was, the Lord is with you. The Lord is with you. And praise God that we can believe a report that the Lord is with us even when we're not seeing the immediate evidence of it. Maybe you're looking for evidence of the Lord in your life at this moment, and you're not seeing what you want to see. But what's the report of the Lord? The Lord has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. The Lord has said that, you are accepted in the beloved. The Lord has said he will meet your needs according to his riches and glory. The Lord has made all these promises. And it's so good to know that one of the words is that he's with me, even when I don't see it tangibly. I'm going to believe that report. Whose report? Who has believed that report? Well, I can't. How can I'm not seeing what I want to see. But it says that the Lord is with you, mighty man of valor. There's another story. If the Lord is with us, and he says that I'm a, mount, uh, a mighty man of valor. You know, Gideon thought, I'm not a mighty man of valor. If you go any further, you see that he says, I'm of the clan, I'm of the weakest. I'm of the, the clan of Manasseh, the weakest in Manasseh. I'm the least in my father's house. And that's a different story. Who are you? 
How can I expect to live godly? How can I expect to make it through this season? How can I expect to get anywhere? I don't have the goods. The Lord is with you. The Lord is with you. I'm just the weakest. Ephesians 6.10 says, Be strong in the strength of his might. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says that we are new creations. And Romans 6.11, Romans 6.11 says, Reckon yourselves to be dead indeed to sin, but alive unto God. You say, I can't live the Christian life. No, you can't, but if you reckon, reckon means I'm going to make a conscious decision to count this as my story. I am dead to sin. I am alive to God. God can use me because I'm not just old me. I'm not just me by myself, but I am the one whom the Lord has said, you are a new creation in Christ Jesus. I'm not just a sinner saved by grace. I was a sinner saved by grace. Now I have his righteousness. I have his blessing. I may still sin, but I have his account given to me. That's the report. Who has believed that report? What? You know, how can that be? It's because of the blood of Jesus. It's because of the death of Jesus. It's because Jesus has risen. Because Jesus has come into our life, we can believe that report and understand and reckon ourselves dead to sin. Oh, I can't. I just can't help myself. I just give in to this temptation all the time. I can't help myself. You're reckoning yourself a weakless, helpless old man or old woman, the old, the old nature. You've got to stop that. You've got to start to say, I'm going to believe the other report. The Lord says, I'm alive. He's made me a new creation. And I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I reckon myself alive to God. That means that you can be a super saint. Who, me? I don't have much faith. I can't do much for the Lord. I don't get the same testimonies that other people get and things like that. What you're saying is, I'm just the weakest, and I'm just a, a nothing here, and I don't have much of a relationship with God. Stop saying that about yourself and reckon yourself alive to God in Christ Jesus. I don't feel that way. Well, it's not saying feel yourself alive. It's saying reckon yourself. Reckon yourself. What do you reckon about yourself? You know, you might have been told by others in the past you're no good. You might have been told you're worthless. They might have treated you that way, but you're no longer under their reckoning. You're under the reckoning of the Lord. The Lord has made you, it says in Ephesians 1, 6, accepted in the beloved. Accepted in the beloved. Do you know that the Greek word behind accepted and accepted in the beloved is the same as the word used when the angel of the Lord addressed Mary as highly favored. Highly favored of the Lord. Who, me? Who, me? What? I, I don't get that. Well, whose report are you going, going to believe? This is the gospel. The gospel is Jesus has died for us, reconciled us to God, and made us a new creation. And as the angel called Gideon, mighty man of valor, the Lord has just as high words for you and me, new creation in Christ, alive to God in Christ, given eternal life, glorified in Christ, justified in Christ, able to do all things in Christ. Ah. Verse 14. So uh, the angel of the Lord says to Gideon after he argues, you know, Gideon has just done, isn't it interesting, Gideon has said, where are all the miracles, you know, that we heard of? Where are all the miracles? 
Isn't it interesting that the very person asking, where are the miracles, was actually the one who was being prepared to be a miracle. <laughs> and could this not be our story too? Maybe God has us around. We're saying, where are the miracles when we are the ones he's preparing to be the miracles? I don't know how, what he has in mind, but he has something in mind for each one of us. No, I'm just insignificant. No, I'm just going to be myself. I'm just holding on till dear Jesus comes. No, the reason we're still around is because he has us in process, in preparation, still to do a work in his name. And we could very well be the miracles he's preparing for someone else's life. It may be someone you need to encourage. It may be someone you need to lay hands on and pray for healing. It may be someone you need to share the gospel with or invite to church for invitation Sunday. You could be the miracle, the, the crossing of the line for someone else. You could have an impact. And in fact, that's what we were designed for, created for. Nobody is insignificant. And yet you've been told that. You've been, you've been uh, bought a lie that things have not gone right in your life in the past. But God makes all things new. And who has believed our report? What's your story? You have become a child of the living God, which entitles you to the household and the family name and the family inheritance and all the goods and the power of God. And so that's what he's saying in verse 14. He's saying the Lord turned to him and said, Go in this might of yours, and you shall save Israel from the hand of the Midianites. Have I not sent you? So go in this might of yours. He's not talking about Gideon's personal strength or might. But what is the might he's, he's saying is Gideon's is the story that has just come from the Lord's mouth. It's the Lord's story. It's the Lord's calling that is our strength. Just like I said, Ephesians 6.10, be strong in the might of the Lord. It's not in your strength, not in your might. It's in him. And he tells us we can do things. The word says we can do even greater things than these. But we don't find, we don't find it happening. We make excuses. But here's the thing. God's commission is our prescription. Well, that's a heady phrase. Think about it for a second. God's commission is our prescription. It means that when he commissions, when he calls, that's the strength to go and fulfill that call. God is not going to call us to something that we can't do apart from him. And that's what he's saying. Have I not sent you? Go in this might of yours. Have I not sent you? If God has sent us, we can. We can. And verse 15, again, that's the story, but Gideon wants to give another report. He says, I said to him, Oh, my Lord, how can I save Israel? Indeed, my clan is the weakest in Manasseh, and I am the least in my father's house. Another story again. Which, whose report are we going to believe? And how can I? How many times have we said, How can I? How can I live right? How can I get over this? How can I make it? How can I... How can I expect any blessings? How can I expect God to do anything significant with me? And yet the Lord's report in 1 Corinthians 1, verse 27 says, God has chosen the foolish things of the world to put to shame the wise, and God has chosen the weak things of the world to put to shame the things which are mighty. Gideon said, I'm the weakest. Well, God says, I've chosen the weakest to shame the mighty, to shame the wise. Saying, how can I, is like saying, who am I? But 
the whole thing is when we say, who am I? We feel like we have to prove ourselves. I've been told this all my life. Now I've got to prove myself. And the whole thing about believing the big picture is that you don't have to this working okay all right well listen to this I'm almost done here but you can defeat your enemies you, you are not in a helpless position the rest of your life and you can do the impossible as believers we can do the impossible why because the story is I will be with you and you will defeat your enemies you can do the unthinkable and most I, I'm not going to say most, but a lot of believers, and myself, and many times, we don't believe this. But here's the thing. The Lord is with us. That's part of the new creation. We didn't just get saved to be forgiven of our sins. The Lord is with us. And that's not just a, a comforting thought. It's an empowering thing. We can do all things through Christ who strengthens us, even the unthinkable. And I just talked to my friend last week who has done something unthinkable. Uh, powerful thing you know he was very affected he was uh, he told me he was fasting and praying for a few days because he was looking for spiritual breakthroughs and it came up to him there was a person who greatly hurt him who he had been holding on to for some time some bitterness and unforgiveness and it was getting in the way of any breakthrough and so he went to the Lord in prayer he had been fasting a little bit seeking his face and trying to get this breakthrough and, and this person kept coming up kept coming up coming up and so he said to the lord 
He said, Lord, I in this temple cannot release this person or forgive this person. I can't. But Holy Spirit, you in this temple can help me to release this person and forgive this person. And at that, several things started coming to his head, hurtful things, terrible things, and he gave each one specifically to the Holy Spirit. said, Holy Spirit, there's one I, I forgive with your strength and power. And then another one came to his mind. There's another one, Holy Spirit, take that. And he went through a process of several of those. And then finally he couldn't think of anything, and he said, and if there's anything I'm not thinking of, Lord, you can take care of it and, and erase it all. And he said he got up to do something, and when he got up to do something, he realized he was walking on air. Suddenly, the heaviness was gone. Everything was lifted. He was amazed. He had done something unthinkable, something impossible in his power, and it was an amazing uh, release for him, and the breakthrough came. And then the next day, he said, he was thanking the Lord. He was just thanking him, praising him for that. And then he felt like the Lord spoke to him and said, okay, now I want you to pray for that person and pray blessings on that person the rest of their life. He said, what? Well, okay, Holy Spirit, you can help me to do that. And so he started praying blessings on this person. This person had been walking with the Lord, but left the Lord. And, you know, during the time that he was dealing with this person, uh, there was no interest in God, nothing. And that was, that was a major issue. And he had been praying blessings, and then the testimony started coming in. People started noticing that there, this person was doing things that were showing interest in the faith again. And I don't know where that, that person is at this point, but it was just like Amazing, You know, you can pray, and we were talking about how we're, sometimes we're praying, oh, Lord, just convict that person, make them miserable until they, they turn to the Lord. And that's how we naturally kind of pray. Maybe we should be praying, bless that person, show that person your love, bless, 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 and then things start to happen. I mean, that's the power of God. That's the story. We have uh, a God who is with us, in us, who wants to be, taking these impossibilities in our lives and sharing them with us and helping us and getting us through these things. And timing is everything. If it doesn't happen immediately, you've got to understand it's through faith and patience that we inherit the promises. We have to adjust our stories. We have to say, what is the truth? What is the story? What am I believing? And if it doesn't look good, we alter it to fit what we know Scripture says. I'll close with uh, my favorite John Wesley story. He was riding into a town, and it was the worst town he'd been in in a long time. He said, the people here are filthy, and they have crude language, the, never seen so much disobedience from kids to their parents. The saloons are full of drunkenness and brawling. And, uh, you know, most of us say, what a dark place, what a heavy place. But he wrote in his journal, what a fit place to preach the gospel. This is just the kind of place God can move in. What about this situation in your life? It's a desperate situation. What a fit situation for God to show himself if we just trust and we be patient. You know, stories take time. You know, they go through a series of events. And God has promised us a happy ending. That's our story. 
and who has believed this report? To whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? He will reveal his arm. That's his power. He will reveal his power if we believe, if we're patient, and if we take the whole of the narrative and not just give in to the immediate and the natural that's summoning at the moment. Amen or oh me. have uh, blessed us with every spiritual blessing in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. We thank you, Lord. We pray for your empowering in our lives to do your will, because your will is glorious, Lord, and your will is life itself. And so we, we thank you, Lord, that you've involved us in your story and have given us a place, and that it's not just a, a bit character role. It's, it's a main part that you would be patient with us and and just uh, allow us to have this this uh, privilege. We just thank you, and we ask, Lord, help us to grow and to know in it, and then to go in it. In Jesus' name, Amen. Let's stand together and sing this great song.